Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading another episode of The Attacking Scrum. Once again, it is time for Dream 15, which is where a guest joins me in order to choose 15 players who they would love to see playing together. Uh, Once again, I've got another ex-player with me this week, and uh, it was a real joy to catch up with Rupert Moon, who, again, I remember watching a lot uh, play as as a kid both for Wales and uh, and for Lethley. and uh, yeah just uh, you know great great character from uh, from Welsh rugby and someone who uh, I really enjoy chatting to uh, yeah as you can imagine there's some great stories along with uh, along with some of the analysis of the players again very humble about uh, about what he had achieved as a player and some of the great players he played with so really hope that you will enjoy this episode uh, as much as I did uh, just generally it'd be great to get your feedback on uh, on how you've enjoyed these you know we're always looking for different ideas uh, on how to keep the show varied uh, and we've certainly enjoyed producing these ones and uh, yeah, it's been great and a bit easier to, to get some different names on and, and catch up with lots of different people. So hope, hopefully uh, they've been well received. Um, just a quick thank you as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to support them and get you some top quality coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Scrum under pressure. Stuart Davis caught behind the game line. He's up illegally to the hand. Wayne Proctor. Lovely check. Rupert Moon attacks. Anthony Clement. Moon! Yes! Oh, what a blow for Swansea. What triumph for Sinecki. Anthony Clement. Hold on to Welcome to another episode of Dream 15 by the attacking Scrum. Everybody knows the format by now. Each week, a different guest joins me to choose their Dream 15, a selection of 15 players that they would love to see playing together. They can have played with them. They can have enjoyed watching them as uh, as kids. They could be cult heroes. There's a whole different way of picking it. It's entirely up to my guest. 
And I'm delighted to say that my guest on this week's episode is former Wales, Clarethley, Abertaleri, Barbarians number nine. It's Rupert Moon. Glad you could join us, Rupert. <laughs> uh, thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to this. It's uh, it's certainly trying to jog the old memory with the uh, bumps on the Swede. I've had to sort of really <laughs> rack, my, rack my brains a bit. Well, that was going to be the first question. Actually, is uh, have you have you found it difficult trying to uh, trying to trying to narrow it down to to one player in each position? Yeah, it it, it has been because I'm very lucky. Even though I played uh, twelve seasons with the Scarlets, I still had some great experiences with the the other clubs on my journey from when I, I began in Warsaw as an uh, you know as a sixteen year old to then Abertaleri and a season with Neath with some real big, larger-than-life characters in that team, uh, to then the Scarlets and then representative. Obviously, I was lucky to have played, uh, represented through the England system, and then um, obviously within Wales and captain the Barbarians in their centenary year. So, yeah, I really came across a, a, real, a lot of pool of quality, let's put it like that. And you were saying, uh, you were just saying off air there as well, that character has played a big part in, in how you've selected your team as well. Yeah, I, because it's so difficult, because I've been very lucky to have kind of bluffed my way into some, some great teams with some world-class players. And being surrounded by world-class, uh, it, it is hard to separate them. In, and I've been lucky to have played with, you know, great wingers, Blake Flyarves, you know, players of, of huge quality who are world-renowned. So to split them, it, it's basically going to be on personality and characteristics. Um and that, that is what they do. It's the enjoyment that happens not only on the field, but off the field, because you really, you know, in that period, and we talk about the good old days, but it's, uh, it was more than just a job in those days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a special time. Well, and again, it's, you know, you, you straddled that, you know, both eras, you know, the, the amateur and the, and the professional era. Uh, is, you know, is there, um, is there a point that you, obviously the game turned professional in 95, but was there a point where, you know, kind of attitudes and training and things like that kind of caught up and the, and the game changed during your playing days? Yeah, I, I think that was one of the, the amazing things that we had at Clefley RFC in the early 90s was we were ahead of the curve in respect of uh, fitness and attitude. There was a guy by the name of Peter Herbert. I think he's going to be hoping to be the oldest uh, Iron Man in history uh, from Pembrokeshire, who was our fitness coach. And he he made us uh, an all round team, not just running fit, uh, but there was a, a mental and physical fitness that went with it. Um, you know, with Neath, we were we were a machine powerful machine the season before but what Herbie uh, and he, then he brought it to Wales was just get that rugby fitness and you know in the best season we ever had in the history of the of the club was because of that guy because he was able to get a squad of players uh, to the peak of their ability and I think he was ahead of the game and then it took probably two or three seasons before after professionalism before they grasped the what was required of a professional rugby player. That's a really interesting point, actually. Well, let's, uh, let's get stuck in and find out who it is who's made, uh, who's made the team. And we'll start in the, in the front row. Uh, right, let's, let's go for loose head prop. Was this, uh, was this difficult selection? 
Well, you see, I, I never distinguish between uh, loose head and tight head. Mine are, mine are boys that just, uh, the big lads that do the job for me. And uh, yeah. when we were talking about and thinking about, you know, in the front row, the characters that I had, you know, that um, Sean Gales are toughy and then um, Hugh Williams-Jones was yeah. so versatile that he could play both sides of the scrum, but a beast of a man, a beast of a man. Uh, and a great singer. Uh, Is that right? One of the guys that you'd always always want to sit next to uh, after the game because he had a story and he always remembered stuff. And to this day, we're still great mates. And uh, he can recount instances and situations, not only on the field, but nights out where his memory is clear and perfect. So, uh, But the guy who I would pick would be a guy by the name of Anthony Buchanan. A guy that came from a, a small clustered gun life, started off mm. as a number eight, but uh, came into the team uh, with Lethley and uh, just anchored anchored the scrum, did a great job for us. We'll never forget him scoring a tremendous try down the blind side against Pontypool away for, uh, for us to win. And seeing a big man run is always a great experience, but... He just did the job, but uh, but sitting down in the bar after, again, arm round the shoulder, just talking about life. And uh, and again, another guy that I keep uh, in contact with and was the, in fact, became the head of World Rugby Referees until a year ago. A prop, would you believe it? And the mustard gun life became uh, the head of World Rugby Referees, deciding... The rules of the game, amazing. There we go, fantastic choice, and yeah, obviously a big, uh, big favourite with uh, with Lethley Faithful, and uh, and yeah, grabbed grabbed a few caps for Wales as well, didn't he? And uh, I think he was in the uh, yeah, he did in, in he that did, world, that did. World Cup side yeah. in eighty in eighty seven. So a fine choice there. Yeah. What about uh, what about Hooker? So <laughs> again, uh, I was looked after very early on in my <laughs> career by uh, at Abertillery by a guy by the name of. Lee Jones, who went on to be uh, Eddie Jones' assistant with Japan way back when. Oh, of uh, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a hooker, a bizarrely a hooker from Abertale. He was my captain, my first captain, and took care of me. Um, but at the same time, there were other players around at Abertale. There were two left-footed hookers, Wally Jervis and Shifter, Mike Shifter Cairns. And left-footed hookers were brilliant to have, obviously, because you'd win your own ball, but you'd win a lot of the opposition's ball. Um, but... When I ended up playing for uh, for Flethley, you know, Di Fox, Mr. Foyer, a fireman, uh, and Lammy from Bather, who was just a, a mercurial talent, a footballer in the front row, um, but a guy who was just a guy, just a powerhouse and what you needed that could hit the dartboard under pressure, but protected you when you needed, because when that bloke came, that other hooker was coming around the front of the line and wanted to get you, you wanted someone to get in the way, and that was Robin McBride, you know, and he... He went on, and I always find it amazing to be one of the most successful coaches in the history of Welsh rugby, being a part of that 12-year uh, domination of, of world rugby that Wales had. Um, but in his infancy, he took care of me. And uh, and we he obviously liked me because he, he, he gave me the dubious honour of being his godfather to his son, Billy, who was just signed for the Doncaster That's Knights. Right, but yeah, yeah, he took care of me. A good roommate to have and uh, a great singer and light on his feet, if you've seen any of the TikToks that he's done <laughs> with his son. But uh, he does a fabulous rendition of Peaches and Cream as well. For, uh, <laughs> again, to see, uh, to see a big man dance 
and sing is quite an unusual thing, especially when he's from uh, Menai Bridge. Well, do you know what? I was, I was going to ask you about Robin McBride's out-and-out strength, right? Because that's, I, I'm mildly obsessed <laughs> with that. But I think, I'm more, I think I'm more interested in how light he is on his feet. I didn't see that one coming because he's, yeah, he's, such a, toes. Big, he's like, such a big, powerful man. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, good roommate to have. But yeah, in the, in the evenings, if you could, he would be, yeah, he's very, um, very light on the, old, uh, dancing, on the old dancing pins. Yeah, he could do that, but does, sings a good song. But fists like uh, hammerheads, you know, huge, <laughs> huge things. So um, I've seen him do some damage around the world uh, yeah. with those clubbers. But, um, yeah, good guy, just a, an all-round good guy. Again, um, came down from North Wales, an overhead linesman, worked with Del- Delmi Thomas. Yeah. You know, uh, and no fear of heights, but um, earned the right to pull on the scarlet jersey. Well, I certainly did, and obviously, you know, played uh, played for Wales a number of times as well. But it's uh, it's that coaching career that is that is fascinating, isn't it? Because I, I kind of think like we've uh, we've perhaps underestimated just how important Robin McBride has been in the last twelve years. You know, obviously, everyone talks about Gatland and Edwards and the impact they've had, but he's walked straight into uh, into a coaching role at Leinster because, and, and let's be honest, they could have any coach in the world they wanted, Leinster really, and then Robin McBride is the one <laughs> they, they want, and they did, and yeah. Exactly, you know, I was uh, I was in the house because he lives at the road, and he had the call from Leinster. You know, they were they reeled off three or four key names. He said they didn't. They said it's not an interview process. These are the guys we're talking to, um, and you're one of them. And uh, it's a you know it's a huge testament to to his ability. And I I'm a bit I'm sad that he didn't get a role, and they didn't orchestrate a role for him within Wales yeah. at the end of his uh, role. Uh, with Gatland, I still think he should have stayed on um, and helped that transition. When you look at the players that have come through in the last 12 years, up front, we've never struggled in the scrum or the line-out. And uh, that's not only the ability of the player, but certainly the coaching. And he used to nip them back and forth uh, to Japan to upskill, working with Eddie and doing uh, and travelling around the world to learn, to develop, to grow. And it's a, it's a continual growth that he has. And to be... Coaching the coaching team of Leinster who've won Europe so many times, it's a, it's a fabulous, fabulous uh, achievement. More to yeah. come. Yeah, I'm sure there is plenty more to come. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, obviously his, his next role is taking the number two jersey in your fictional Dream 15, but uh, that's, that's one I'm sure he'll yeah. do a, a fantastic job in. Uh, what, about, what about the number three jersey? So the, when I looked at that, again, you just, it's, it's how you, they fit as a, a trio. Um, you know, Lawrence Delaney, you know, we had a, a Charlie on the back of his neck. We had a, a third person behind that would help him scrummage. And, you know, just sitting with him many a night, listening to the stories of working in Trostra Steelworks and real life experiences yeah. was uh, was humbling but enlightening. And you are the, the person that you, hang, that you hang around with, all the friends that you make, and they create you and shape you for your future. And he certainly was one of those. John Davis, a tough guy from Boncath. You know, I played with him at Neath. Uh, again, another one of Wales' strongest men. You know, a real hard character. And um, came across Brian Williams, played in the same team yeah. as him. Again, a, a, a very solid guy. But a, a larger-than-life character that helped us uh, at a crucial time in our history with Leslie. He was a guy by the name of Martin Madden. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, uh, we've had of, a face full of teeth. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> and and the, he just uh, 
I, I remember watching him for Cardiff Youth uh, play against Abertillery Youth in the in the old Arms Park when he played number eight when he was a, obviously a, an 18, 17 year old actually he was then uh, and thinking this kid's got something special a great sidestep and fabulous hands and then when he uh, piled on the pounds and enjoyed the pies he really came of age and Bon uh, Bon as affectionately known was just there when I needed him most on my shoulder um, just to give him the ball and he could just turn something from nothing and uh, that famous try he scored against Ebervale in the cup yeah. final off a set move the one in Bristol we knew, yeah. we knew he'd make 10 yards we didn't really, yeah, really we didn't think he'd go 25 <laughs> it's hell of a try but yeah powerhouse and I'm so pleased he got some uh, you know a few Welsh caps I think I think he maintains it's forty five, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right with twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we. But we again, want... a, a character and a personality off the field as well as on, you know, people would try and intimidate and, and get to him, but they never did. He enjoyed it, and the laughter, the infectious laughter that he had, was uh, was just you know just a pleasure to be around. Yeah, he's brilliant. We went over to the uh, we went over to the Aviva Stadium a couple of years back when uh, to cover the Scarlets game uh, when they made the European semis, and we bumped into Martin on the on the way back to the airport. And you know, he was obviously he was a fan's favourite as a player. He's a fan's favourite still. He's there, you know, he's there in the crowd on the on the big days, and he's got a word for everyone. You know, he will he will chat to anyone, and he was he was a real a real joy to have a uh, to have a chat with. And he got an arse, an arse like a rhino, <laughs> to coin a phrase. I mean, Julian Williams had a big big rear end and so did Phil Davis, but um, <laughs> Martin Madden was just fabulous. I, I used to love chasing him <laughs> because he would be just knocking people out left, right and centre. And low centre of gravity helped as well. Yeah, great, great player. Loved, loved watching, uh, loved watching Martin Madden play. Another fine choice. Right, let's get into the, let's get into the, uh, the boiler room, second rows. Yeah, that's a grunters, and that's it. Is about that. It is about being able to do the odd yards because if the front row were getting uh, having a bit of trouble, you needed the the weight behind. And I, I again, when I first started with Leslie, I had the, the likes of Phil May uh, in the front at the front of the line out. You know, a man of massive experience and scars all over his body because, and those were protection scars where he used to lie on top of scrum halves like me to take care of them when the boots are flying. Um, I was very lucky to captain the Midlands division in the old days of the divisional championship mm. back in the, the late 80s. And in my second row, I had Martin Johnson and Martin Bayfield. It wasn't a bad set of uh, <laughs> second rows. Um, and John, I was a young guy then and again, showed his talents very early on. And at Neath, I had Crazy Horse Whitson, Mike Whitson, who was uh, famous for the man who could eat a pint glass, literally eat a pint glass. And that's not something you see every day. Uh, again, uh, but a guy who does the, the hard yards uh, in the second row. But the guy who got me to Lethley and uh, was very instrumental in my career and took me under his wing and still a great friend is Phil Davis. And uh, Tulip, uh, as is affectionately known, uh, was just with his big hands, and his big rear end, whether he played at eight or in the, the second row, was just a calming influence. But when he ran and put that left leg forward, I, said, I remember him bouncing um, somebody in the in the cup final against Neath, seeing that, dropping his, dropping his shoulder, put his leg out. Just a big character on and off the field. 
He is, yeah. In fact, he was uh, he was he was last week's guest, and we uh, yeah we loved uh, we loved chatting to Phil. A real uh, a real nice guy with it, you know. For for all the uh, all oh, the fact that he was you know an enforcer on the pitch, yeah, real uh, a real gent off it. But a great coach as well, and I yeah. think I'd like to hope that we'll see him uh, at the highest level again. You know, developing talent is what he's very good at. You know, the all round personality and helped me when I was working in North Wales came and uh, did a job for me when he didn't need to uh, and invested a lot of time and energy in developing people uh, and, and their personalities. So, And there was a, a visionary in the way that he would do his tactics and, you know, he can take teams and players from nowhere to somewhere and did that. You know, people forget that he took leads in 10 years uh, from nowhere to the top and winning the, the cup and doing some amazing work. And there's, a, you know, there's another role for him somewhere. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think it's uh, you know it's testament to how how uh, the, the esteem he's held in at Leeds that they turned to him earlier this year. You know, when they're in trouble, and and obviously there's, there's a lot of trouble at that club at the moment. And uh, you know, he's yeah. the guy that they they wanted to dig him out, uh, not just because he's a you know a good and experienced coach, but because he you know he knows the club. Um, and yeah, he's held in in, yeah. in, in huge regard there. Yeah. The, so Phil Davis takes uh, takes one of the, the spots. Who uh, who'll be alongside him? Now, the, you always need a gazelle in the middle middle of the lineup. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, and we were. I was lucky to play alongside Craig Gillies and Gareth Llewellyn, um, and also, of course, great Chris Wyatt, who was again another talented individual. Enjoyed uh, the full experience, the social life. He was a bit like Serge Blanco with his smoking uh, and his drinking. But a guy that was able to turn it turn it on, um, and the biggest occasions, and was able to do that certainly for Wales, and he did that for for Clethley. But a guy who's again, it's all about protection and characters. Uh, Tony Copsey, I'll never forget. Mm. We've been trying to say the second row claw lock uh, in Welsh, uh, but uh, uh, Cops just his physical presence um, just adds that you need you need hard men, you need guys that are. In, the, in our day, that could really put pressure on the opposition and would hit uh, every ruck and maul, you know, and, and do the the grunt. And he was that. He was all elbows and knees, and uh, and they, we could get him up there, and he actually would win the line out as well as doing all the other stuff that he was able to do. Um, but yeah, Copsey would be my man, even though we, you know, he's up against some more talented individuals. He was able to get it, deliver in there what we needed at the time. Yeah, he's at elbows and knees, and on the on the odd occasion, the uh, the the old left or right hook. I think he was a pro, yeah, pro, proper <laughs> yeah. enforcer of a player. Yeah. It was it was game against Ireland, wasn't it? Yeah. I think he, uh, he yeah Neil Francis come off uh, come off worse of uh, of uh, of a, an encounter yeah. with Tony Coxon. That is a, that is a pretty mean looking uh, a pretty mean looking front five here, uh, Rupert. You've gone for yeah. and the, the word you keep using is protection. And uh, I don't think you're going to str- I don't think you're going to struggle for protection with uh, with those boys in the in the tight five. Let's have a look at the uh, at the back row now. No, I see you can go to the glamour now, and you've got uh, with six, seven, and eight. If I'm looking at six, you know you've got the, the handsome, the most handsome back row forward that we ever come across was uh, Simon Easterby when he started in his career. He looked like a surfer uh, with his blonde locks, and there was Mark Perigo, a guy who used to love running up and down rivers and uh, chopping forests down with uh, with his axe. Um, and then with Gary Jones, uh, a, a, a footballer of the highest order from Ponty, 
Um, but the guy I would be picking in at six would be Emil Lewis, Taru oh. the Bull. Again, it's a, games are one up front, and um, what he offered us was strong, hard run, um, a physical, another physical presence, but also again a man with pace. Um, not that people wouldn't notice because of that, but once he's powered through a gap, he'd be gone. But uh, yeah, the bull would be my guy that would be able to do a job for me at six. A great pick, and uh, yeah, not just not just uh, yeah, not just athletic ability and and strength, but. Uh, what about that kick against England for uh, for Yai and Evans to to get over as well? You know, was that is that something you'd rehearse in training, or was that just uh, that just that just <laughs> yeah, something that, something that you like had to that. pull it out? Well, Andy's dropped goal against Neath, which of course, you can, yeah, yeah. You can actually watch next Saturday. Uh, I claim that one because I obviously <laughs> told him to do it when I mistakenly gave it to him, not Colin Stevens. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, just a, a, an all-round footballer. You know that, that he ran so strong when he gave him the ball. You know he was looking for space, not people, but was not afraid to to batter through people as well. Because you know he had that ability and light touch. Because in the in those early nineties, we we played a lot of um, you know keeping the ball alive, using the ball. So there were times to run through people, run around people, uh, but also to make sure you create space for others. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Emil Lewis it is uh, in, in the sixth jersey. Right, what about number seven? When we're talking about seven, and it, it is making my life easier, and I, this, this pack is based on <laughs> making a scrum half's uh, life as easy as possible because you, you'll have a dream team if the forwards do their job and they've got to get that ball. And again, I, I played um, in that divisional time with Neil Back, you know, a real Ooh. talented guy, a very intense focused individual, um, a lot more chilled out than he used to be, for sure, but in those days was was really intense, but a great player. Lynn Jones was the other extreme, where uh, he was a, a guy that was larger than life um, when I played him at Neath, played for him, uh, played with him at Neath, and then he came to join us at the, at the Scarts. And, uh, again, um, just a, a personality that you couldn't, you really couldn't doze off or sleep. Uh, certainly after a game when he was around, but on the field of play would be like a second scrum half. The way that he would bury himself in and get the ball out. But the guy I would pick at seven, just because of his all-round character, so he had the ability and the physical presence, was a guy by the name of Ian Boubier, otherwise mm. known as the Mole. Um, the Mole, as affectionately was known, was because he could get in and do it get in and get that ball from originally from Tom D and there's a, a famous game where we played Wasps when he got in the team huddle with the Wasps guys listening to what they were doing and uh, and, and making sure he was a nuisance uh, all uh, all around the field from first minute to the last and that's what you want you wanted to, him to put pressure on people but to deliver the ball for you when you needed it most which was quick ball on occasions. Yeah, that's right. That's the uh, that's the game where he had, uh, he had a clash with Delalio, didn't he? And uh, and but yeah. you know, backed backed it up, backed out with his performance uh, on uh, well, not just on that occasion, you know, and uh, and his brothers as well. You know, it was it was amazing to have uh, have three brothers playing in uh, playing in the same side for uh, for large chunks of the uh, of the nineties and two thousands. There was a famous game, I think, when we played Leinster over in Leinster, where we were down something like. 20 points at half time and uh, between the three of them I think it was that and we we kind of grabbed the game by the scruff of neck and we came back and beat them and Donnybrook and it was 
to their to their credit that they were able to deliver that. But yeah, the mole was a again a pain in the backside to play against, but a, a fabulous guy to have on your team. Right, Ian Booby, the mole it is, and uh, right, completing the pack then, number eight. Yeah, this is a this is a real toughie because. I did deliberate because I played with Phil Davis at number eight as, and he was, a, again, it's all about the size of the rear end and I mentioned Julian Williams, uh, a, a copper from Flashley. Again, not the, the fittest guy, but was just a, just a great guy, a timing of the past to put you into space uh, and whether it's all about the rear in that respect. And then I'd had the for, been fortunate to play with Mark Jones, Scooby, uh, the six foot five giant from uh, Tredegar that played I played at Neath with and, he allowed me to score five tries once against my steg. And unfortunately, Mark's got a stutter and I asked permission to be able to score each time, but obviously couldn't answer me as quickly as he wanted to before I could score. Um, Dean Richards was another guy I played with. Um, you know, Again, a, a guy with a, a big rear end, but not with the, the the pace off the base of the scrum that the next, the guy I'm going to choose, which was Scott Cornell. You know, I yeah. was... I always joke about the fact that if he if he did if he'd actually trained, he could have been uh, super world class. Um, but a guy that just had just you know ooze talent um, did what he had to do, and which was world class. Um, and uh, imagine what he would have done if he hadn't spent as much time on the uh, the physio's bench as he did. Um, but wow, what a bloke to play in the same team with, you know, and. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm. Uh, I was able to say that I made him as a player just for the fact that I allowed him to pick the ball up as often as he did for the base of the scrum. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd. Uh, I'm sure he'd, he'd tell it the uh, the same way. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, we, we've spoken. We've spoken about Scott Cornell on this podcast a, a lot because he was just such a, a such a, a go to player for Wales. I think particularly when he came back. And uh, he seemed he seemed to have learnt loads playing league as well. You know, he was he was a real raw talent when he went. Um, and, and you're right, he came when he came back. He was he was world class, and just whenever whenever Wales are in a tight spot, it always looked as though they were looking to Scott to to kind of uh, to help dig him out. He was a he had this low centre of gravity, so you were he was able to literally run for with his shoulders four inches to, uh, parallel to the floor, you know. It was just mm. incredible. You weren't, he wasn't running at people's knees. He was running at people's ankles and chins and still going forward. And, and that, you know, that was, you know, a quality. Again, light on the touch, you know, a powerful handoff. Um, just a, an awkward bloke to tackle, you know. Uh, when we talk about awkward, it was his odd shape. It was odd shape, but uh, again, a bloke that would deliver when you needed him. You know, he, I do, you know, I'm not... I. When I say if he'd have trained, you know, because his body was so battered a lot, mm. it was he was physically unable to train um, as much as he could have because of the, the way that he played the game and league. You know, I had the chance to go to rugby league, and I wasn't physically my face wasn't made for rugby league. But he he I remember going up and staying with him in Wigan a few times. That's real stuff when you're running mm. through three or four brick walls who were just waiting to knock your head off. And that, you know, and it was, uh, yeah, incredible. And it is, you know, elbow, elbows and, and shoulders and, you know, obviously uh, the, the way union is at the moment, quite rightly, there's a lot of focus on trying to reduce head injuries. But I mean, you, you look at league, particularly in that era, and it was just anything goes really, wasn't it? 
<laughs> which it still is to a degree. <laughs> you know, the, the concussion protocols don't quite uh, have the same, <laughs> certainly in league now. That's, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, back in, back in the day, yeah, you were uh, in, in league, certainly, you were literally running to have your head knocked off. There we go. Right. Well, that is uh, that completes a uh, a mean looking pack, but not one without uh, without a, a few athletes and a bit of a bit of footballing class in there as well. So Anthony Buchanan, Robin McBride, Martin Madden, Phil Davis, Tony Copsey, Emily Lewis, Ian Bubia, and Scott Cornell. Fantastic choices for your pack, and we're going to find out uh, who will be behind the scrum very very shortly. But first, we're just going to take this quick break. Right then, Rupert Moon, time to reveal who is going to be in your back division. I suppose the big the big question is, are you going to pick yourself at nine? <laughs> Obviously not, because uh, I, could, I wouldn't be allowed to do that. I was, uh, I was lucky enough to get in a, a few teams because I was an odd-shaped piece that they needed in that particular team jigsaw puddle. Um, but then the, uh, the jigsaw piece was how I described myself. Certainly not an ability, but you know I, I'm really lucky. You know, my my brother was my hero uh, when I was growing up, and uh, again, a, a workhorse of a player um, that you know won a, a cup final in the early '80s with Harlequins, and was at Cambridge University with Rob Andrew and Hastings and all that. Um, you know, and I I was able to be around the environment when Dwayne Peel. Um, and Mike Phillips were coming into our into the Scarlets organisation, and with Lethley and seeing their talent, you know their strength. You know Mike, a larger than life character, a, a guy that was believed in his own ability from from when he was born. And Peely with his a different type of speed and dexterity, and then being my arch rival with Rob Howley, you know mm. you, you it would be difficult not to pick any of those because Howley was just at it all really power brains and has done a great job for Wales as coach and I look forward to seeing where he's going to be next season um, because he deserves that second chance and uh, will be exciting to see and he will make a massive difference to whoever he will be joining but the guy who I admired from afar initially was a guy by the name of David Bishop the Bish from Ponypool and uh, when I was growing up, um, you know, the, you, we'd, my brother was playing for Abertal area and we'd watch games and we'd watch Welsh, watch Welsh games as well and seen the Bish uh, doing what he did. And he was a combination of them all. You know, he had that self-confidence. He had that power. Uh, he had that service. He could goal kick. He could drop kick. He had it all, really. And, uh, and he was fierce as well. But my brother helped him in one particular instance in, in Amsterdam when he fell in the canal and took <laughs> and said to that after that day that he would look after my brother and any of his siblings forever and a day. And he took care of me and gave me some great advice early on in my career when I played for Abertilary. And we used to meet regularly in Cardiff with the Cordell brothers um, and a few other of his mates. And uh, that, was a, that was life education that I had from David Bishop as well as um, what he was able to do on the field because you didn't know what he would do. 
Um, and a bit like Jus van der Westen, a bit like Mike Phillips, if anything, he didn't, if he made the wrong choice, he was still able to rectify it very quickly by his strength and power. So Bish would be my, my nine just for his larger than life personality on and off the field. Well, yeah, you, you couldn't have you couldn't have made a better choice there. We we met Di Bish a few years ago and got him on. And if I'm honest, I didn't remember him. I didn't remember him playing a great deal. It was kind of I think by the time I'd started watching rugby, Bish was playing league. And uh, but you know I did I did you know my brother and and various other people talk about him, and it was just this this kind of myth really. And, I, and when I met him, I thought, well, can, you know, can he re- can he really live up to all this? And oh my God, you know, within seconds of meeting him, it was just, yeah, just a, uh, yeah, larger than life character. And uh, there's something, uh, you know, there's, there's something just incredibly enigmatic about the bloke. And uh, yeah, we, we love chatting to him. So uh, yeah, I, uh, I just I just wish, um, you know, there's kind of more footage out there to be able to to watch uh, to watch Bish play from, from back in the day. I've seen a few of those YouTube clips and stuff. And, uh, but, you know, all it needs is the way that everyone talks about him. Uh, you know, whether you're playing against him or yeah. playing with him, uh, to know just what a talent he was. Good stuff. Right. On to, uh, on to outside half. Uh, again, like what, is, was there a certain kind of, uh, a certain kind of fly half that you, that you liked to have outside you? Again, you'd have, you'd have played with some fantastic ones. Is it, did you prefer to have a, you know, a good yeah. outside you or did you like a bit of a, a maverick? Well, uh, from a from a ten point of view, the the key attribute that I liked is the fact that he didn't moan when the ball bounced in front of him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ones that just said, "Just chuck it, I'll catch it," kind of scenario was really key. And um, in Abertal area, I had a, a couple of boxers that uh, that again were that looked after me, but didn't mind how the ball came to them. And that was Roddy Crane and Byron Haywood, a young mm. Byron Haywood. Uh, you know, he was very a quiet and assuming kind of guy, but powerful kicker. But again, didn't moan and whinge when you chucked a bad one to him. Um, Frano was in the transition. Frano Botic, again, mm. just the ultimate pro that had a massive influence on Stephen Jones as a young lad when he was inside centre to Frano in the, that 95 time. And I know he was eternally grateful for what Frano uh, did and helped him with his goal kicking and Frano never wasted energy when he was goal-kicking, but never missed. And so the ball would just drop over the crossbar. And that was from touchline, halfway line, wherever. And Frano loved his firewater um, and was, <laughs> was able to, uh, you know, had hollow feet to a degree, but consummate professional and um, had a big influence, not only on me, but also on, on Stephen. And that, you know, Stephen Jones, a young kid, I remember playing his first home game, coming back to play for Wales in 2000, it was. and. And literally, you know, he was a he played one game away, and just he was a kid, wasn't he? He was a kid, mm. but we we were able to get through it, and uh, as a nine and ten, and we're able to take some risks um, and not be afraid to stick to the game plan when the pressure was on, and that was against Scotland, and we we delivered in that game. Um, Jinx, you know, I, I christened him the Ginger Monster. We used to train at at, uh, at Kai Vardra National Stadium in Landwick Vardra. Uh, weekly and I practice my goal kicking and that's what I put down to my goal kicking and drop kicking because practicing with him way back then because I used to live in Pontypridd he loves the name Ginger Monster but um, it stuck with him forever and a day but the guy again who is just a character and the bloke I'd spent the most time with was Colin Stevens. you know and again I got some some 
you know, a few caps for Wales. Probably unfortunate in the the way that the game changed in, to professionalism. Um, Benny Eskin, his sidestep and his ability to goal kick was, you know, for a little man, the levers, a fast bowler. Uh, but we had such good times off the field of play. And, you know, I used to joke, I called him the dwarf um, because he looked like one of the seven dwarves. And, but he loved to scarf people as they were tackling. So he'd either uh, grab them by the collar and drag them down, but just did enough. But as an all-round character and a guy that helped me, you know, when I first started in Clefley, um, was Colin Stevens, and never forget those two drop goals um, against Australia to win the game in the last three minutes to win it is just phenomenal. Well, I was going to ask you about that because again, you can't talk about Colin Stevens without talking about that game against uh, against Australia. How, you know how special an occasion was that? I've been you know been shown again on S4C recently, but as someone who was uh, who was there on the pitch, living and breathing it, how, uh, how yeah how special an occasion was it? Well, we it was it's in folklore that the that Lethley, a small town in in West Wales, always did well against the touring teams. You know, going going way back when the, over the hundred years that they hundred plus years they've been going. And it was there was an expectation to 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 perform, and you know they beat Australia in, in the eighties. Obviously, they'd done it. They beat New Zealand in seventy two, and they and they drawn against South Africa in seventy. You know, there, there's an expectation, even though there's only twenty five thousand people that live in Leslie, and if you add in the environment around, you can maybe muster up to about forty five thousand. But there was an expectation you would perform, and you became bigger than stronger and faster and uh, braver because of that stepping out onto Straddy Park and there was some sort of magic potion when all the the breath and the <laughs> of the supporters and the air that surrounded it in Straddy Park it became felt invincible and that day was just one of those it wasn't a particularly great game because they aren't when they're just mm. wars of attrition and the the gods are on our side in some way because we won the toss the referee Fred was gave a lot of penalties against us, but we were just a pain in the backside to a lot of them. But Colin and I, I didn't realise and until till, till watching it yesterday, knowing that it was three minutes to go when we when he dropped those two goals, to think that there was three minutes to go to win the game, um, and to be as cool as that, having missed one earlier on in the game, yeah, it was quite a a special occasion. But again, it was that that potion that Gareth Jenkins could do was. Mix a mix a group of people uh, together to make it what it was, which was to beat the world champions. Absolutely right, Di Bishop and Colin Stevens uh, halfbacks. I like the sound of that. Let's uh, let's uh, let's have a look now at uh, let's go for the wingers, shall we? Let's start with the uh, the, the eleven shirt. Yeah, I think again, I'm I'm really lucky in that I play. You know, I came back to play for Wales, and Shane Williams. I think it was his first cap. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve Hans, um, Graham Henry was very keen to uh, to get him involved uh, in the game because of the talent that he had and the pace and the the old school ability of dancing uh, and through people. And I remember doing a call on our own twenty two, which got him into the game when he came from the blind side to the open side into the into the centre. And he, he, you know, it just twinkle toes, you know. And uh, in, in the modern era, to do what he did was just amazing. But uh, I had two real strong, consistent players, Mark Jones and Wayne Proctor, similar 
in the both that they they were powerful. But um, I remember saying to Mark Jones, he was a bit like Bambi, <laughs> and that uh, he, he'd always drop the ball and his legs were all over the place. I remember going up to him one game and saying, "Catch, then run, catch." then run and uh, Proc was similar in the fact that he was deceptively powerful but a fitness guru that could keep going and keep going great stamina good hands but a guy I, I used to love playing with uh, because of what he was able to do to the opposition was Salesi Finau and yeah. uh, Sally used to, uh, came from rugby league and had played for Brisbane I think Brisbane Broncos and it was only a short time he was with us, but how I, we were able to use him for the blind side with his, with his big forearm. And there was nothing more pleasurable than telling it, the opposition fly half that this guy, see him over there, he's coming to see you, don't you worry, watch out. And then I would wait at the base of the scrum when the scrum was solid and remind him and tell Sally, come on, here we go. And just would pop it up in front of him and just watch them um, with, like, they were literally like, it was like going to the um, bowling alley to see the pins fall in that they all tried to tackle him yeah a real, uh, real wrecking ball of a player but not without uh, not without some other some other skills as well you know he's a, he's a, he's a fine oh, finisher nice and plenty yeah, plenty of footballing skill too oh, yeah great touch great soft hands and when he mixed it up with his running through people over people just doing the light touch Oh yeah, definitely would create that space for others, just for the fear, but also, as you say, very dexterous. Fantastic, right? So let's see Fina on one wing. Let's uh, let's go to the other wing, shall we? Let's see. Let's see who's going to going to play on the right wing for you. Yeah, you know, I, and this was an, another one that <laughs> was re- really easy, but not easy. And the fact you know, I played with Alfie in his, you know, alongside him, who came of age uh, at the latter stages of his career. You know, a great strength, great power. Uh, Garen Evans, again, another mercurial talent. Didn't really get the rewards that he deserved. Um, but the guy who was, you know, the, the jersey, it was easy to put on is Jayan Evans just because of what he has done and what he continues to do is when you look back and you think that he would translate into the modern game as mm. well as a finisher with pace, um, a, a bloke that could find space. Um, a courageous guy and uh, <laughs> again boringly funny off the field of play he, he, he got his third in geography from Salford University and claims to be a bright guy loves his Edward de Bono quotes, <laughs> quotes. Um, uh, but uh, again I'm godfather to his daughter so I'm able to say these things not many people know that um, but um, yeah uh, just a great bloke all, all round you know um what he did for for Clashley, what he did for for Wales, um, you know, just a, an impre- impressive guy. Even though as he, he's got not much hair, so um, yeah, considering. Oh, it won't, no, you're, ne- you're never going to get any, uh, uh, yeah, any uh, pushback from me. And it's my my very first rugby hero. Just you know, those those players when you you start watching the game that just just make you fall in love with it because they you know they. They're just so exciting to watch, and uh, you know, I I don't really ever remember a game that Yian played in where I wasn't excited at some at some point uh, to you know to to watch him play. Uh, so yeah, the, I I've, uh, I've he uh, he uh, a, a couple of situations in my career with him. I've made him cry. So when we played Breve in the European Cup, he was rooming with me, and I, as you can imagine, with a nose like mine, I snore a little bit. 
and uh, he had a sleepless night and was weepy in the morning because he hadn't slept before a very large, very big European game. But actually, he did score that day, so it couldn't be that bad. But he wept because of lack of sleep. And then there was another uh, situation where we played Cardiff, and he should have passed off a kickoff and didn't, and then got mashed and uh, fractured, dislocated his ankle. And uh, he's lying on the floor with his foot pointing the other way, uh, wailing and screaming. And the, the doctor had come on to the field and they had to try and put it back. And he had, they couldn't get him to relax, as you wouldn't if your foot's foot pointing the other way. And I'm cradling him in my arms, hiding him from what he could see behind. And I said, look, don't worry, mate. And he said, get it put it back. Don't worry about it. They've done it. They put it back. And I was very convincing in the way that I did it. <laughs> and uh, they were able to clunk it back in. And he screamed. He screamed, screamed like no, no tomorrow. But he never forgiven me for lying to him in his moment of, of crisis. But I said it was a justified lie. Uh, but I, and I was very good at it that particular day. But yeah, we're uh, still friends to this day. And there are many other stories that I could reel off about life experiences that we've shared around the world. Yeah, there we go. Well, I, there was me thinking it was going to be the chest bump that made him cry, but uh, but yeah, uh, he, st- he still he still moans about that. You know, he, he still moans about. It. We practiced that all week, and we believed we were going to score from that. So it wasn't like something he wasn't a party to. He tries to deny it, and uh, it frustrates him that it was a great try, and all people remember is the fact that I chest bumped well in. If you think about it, that was in '92, and all the football celebrations and all those that have come. That was the original celebration there and then. Rupert, the footballers weren't celebrating like that in 1992. You were definitely ahead of your time. True, no way. <laughs> right, let's have a look at your centres. <laughs> what, you, what are you going for in the centre? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, from a, when we're talking about personality and characters, you know, the, uh, Simon Davis was quiet and, and powerful in the centre, you know, a farmer, but a giggler after the game. He loved a little smoke and a story um, and would run through. And there was, uh, if you're looking for someone, there was, you know, Jamo, David James, you know, again, uh, able to play on the wing, but as an outside break running and a powerful centre, uh, Dav James. But a guy who I was lucky to have uh, played with once, <laughs> but also had a... A great friendship before his passing was Ray Gravel. You know, when yeah. you, you can't mention uh, personality in a character team without that guy. You know, he was inspired before we played Australia with his words of wisdom. And then throughout my life, until his passing, was a big influence. And uh, I used to meet him quite regularly. Uh, and he wrote the forward to my book. And he was the Welshest of Welshmen. That uh, inspired, inspired, inspires, still inspires a nation. But um, yeah, it was a, a pleasure to have him as a friend and uh, never forgotten, but someone who would literally um, run through brick walls for the jersey that he wore. Uh, I've got nothing more to add to there because you've summed it up perfectly a, a, a wonderful choice Ray Gravel and I tell you what whoever's in the 13 shirt is, is, uh, is lucky to be playing alongside him <laughs> with a footballer you need a little footballer there you know? Yeah. you know Neil Bubia came through as a young boy and great talent ghosting pace but the guy is from Trumsaran who was able to you know people didn't know he could kick but he did kick he was able to kick out of hand, was uh, able to make the tackles, but what was able, what he was able to do was create space. 
Davis. Uh, Nigel Davis would be my choice as mm. a centre to be alongside Grav. And I think in the early days he may have played with him, but Nigel was uh, the steadier, the guy that could see the plays, that could see, that had the vision uh, to work out how to de- to break down defences, and was uh, was an orchestra uh, orchestrator of uh, of many games. Uh, from the centre position. And again, a guy who um, didn't really get the credit alongside Gareth Jenkins for identifying talent in those days mm. when he took over Wales and giving James Cook Hook his opportunity and others um, to develop when he was Welsh coach. But um, yeah, a great talent in the centre. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, we better switch those two around, haven't we? So Graf gets his famous 13 jersey and, uh, and Nigel yeah, Davis can wear 12. But what a, what, a good, what a good balance that is. Right, there's only, only one slot left in the side, Rupert. That is, of course, for fullback. And uh, yeah, right, what, who, are the, who are the candidates here? Really difficult. Yeah, again, really difficult because there were a lot of players in my era. You know, there was Mike Ray and uh, Tony Clement, who I played with, who were, again, very similar in their ways. Um, Matt Cardy in the latter stages of my career again with Reese Williams you know Pacey uh, that could find a gap um, would certainly be brave under the high ball obviously Alfie played at fullback as well mm. but the guy that just for his just all round personality and this is about personality and characteristics was a guy by the name of Ian Jones I chuckle when I, I think about him still he, I nicknamed him Mental because he was mental in many ways in a nice way uh, mental in his way that he would be brave under the high ball, uh, but mental in what it, some of the things he used to do off the field of play. But just a, a gifted individual. Um, <laughs> but on the field, he was able to do some incredible things, just like he did off the field. And again, an unsung hero, really. I remember scoring, him scoring against Ponypool in a cup final in, I think it was 91, where he danced around the opposition and just made like a ballerina. It made them. It was just incredible to see. But again, he just didn't fulfil his potential. But as a character and personality, was as a young man who just very funny. I'd love to. I, I speak message him now and again. I have the odd message now and again from him. But just a, a quirky individual that just fitted into the squad perfectly. There we go. Well, it is a uh, you promised a team full of characters, and we've certainly got that. Let's quickly uh, quickly run through the uh, the side again. So, starting in the forwards, Anthony Buchanan, Robin McBride, Martin Madden, Phil Davis, Tony Copsey, Emmy Lewis, Ian Bubia, Scott Cornell, and then in the backs, Di Bishop, Colin Stevens, Celesi Fina, Ray Gravel, Nigel Davis, Yael Evans, and Ian Jones. Happy with those choices? Oof, not a, it's not a bad set. Not a, not a bad not, set. Not a bad set. We'll have a night out. <laughs> we'll have a night out after. Jeez. Yeah, that's it. If only if only the pubs are open, or then again, it's probably it's probably a good job that they're not. Um, let's uh, let, let's finish off then just by asking you uh, the uh, the finishing questions. So, who would captain this side for you? Again, a lot of characters in there. Who'd be uh, who'd be the one to get the nod as skipper? Yeah, I think I think it would have to be Phil Davis mm. just because of his his big hands and his ability just to calm. Yian would be close second, but out on the wing, it, it always very difficult. If you're going to manage that group, you need a man in the centre of it. So I would, yeah, I'd go, um, I'd go Phil Davis. And if this, if you could assemble this side to take on any side from history, who would you want them to go up against? Which side would you like to see them play? Um. I think I'd like to. I think we'd like to play. It's the All Blacks are always the ones that are getting mm. to, uh, 
one of the forbidden fruit that we'd like to just pick <laughs> and eat just one. So it would have to be uh, that the best that the All Blacks could uh, provide, and so that would be um, World Cup World Cup winners. Go for that then. The World Cup winning uh, New Zealand side, uh, and if to get where would where would this game take place? I've got a pretty good idea of where it might take place, but uh, it's, it's, it's your. There side. is only one place. <laughs> yeah, there is. Only, there's only one place, isn't there? Stradley Park. That's where it could be. Stradley Park really. in its pomp, uh, absolutely. And then uh, you also get to pick the jersey as well. What uh, what jersey would you like to would you like to wear in this on this occasion? <laughs> you, you, you could never you could never play there, and I was lucky to have won. Eighty um, odd percent of my games at Stradley Park wearing scarlet, and so it would have to be a scarlet jersey. A scarlet jersey, uh, I presume, with the collar tucked in as well. Definitely, we'll have all, we'll have all the players with their with their collars uh, tucked in uh, in your honour, Rupert. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Really enjoyed it, and uh, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an absolute joy. Thanks for the invite. Take care, my friend. Thank you, Rupert. Cheers. All the best. No worries, buddy. Sports Social Podcast Network.